Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you in this final podcast of September. My Gazette colleague Adam Schindler will join me. We'll talk high school football. We'll talk college football, Union and UAlbany. Uh, well, the uh, Daily Gazette power rankings in high school football. Of course, you can see those power rankings at dailygazette.com. Then Kevin Beatty, longtime RPI Sports Information Director and Associate Athletic Director, will join me. He's talking about a new career change for him, and we'll talk about uh, what he's going to do. And uh, I enjoyed talking with Kevin. We had a nice conversation on Wednesday. You'll hear that conversation come up a little bit later. But first, let's uh, take a break, and then I'll have Adam Schindler talk high school football, the Daily Gazette's weekly power rankings, and Union College and Albany football. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hi, this is ECAC Hockey Commissioner and Union Hockey alum, Doug Christensen. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Shaw. Welcome back to the podcast. It's our weekly visit with Adam Schinder talking high school football. And Adam... Uh, big matchup Friday night in class Double uh, A Shaker at Shen. How's that going to look? Yeah, this has been one of the defining games uh, in class Double A football in recent years. For years and years, uh, Shaker was kind of the white whale for uh, Shenandoah coach Brian Clawson. Just could not beat the Blue Bison, but uh, they've turned that around and had some big wins the last couple of years. First of back-to-back huge games for Shen with the with them getting CBA next week as well. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Um, what is it about Shen this year that they're playing so well? I mean, this team put on an absolute show uh, on Friday night, last Friday night against Balsa Spa. 59-20 win, 59 points in the first half. Their quarterback, Michael Watley, uh, five touchdowns, 370 yards. They have a ton of weapons. This is a veteran team with a lot of playmakers. Uh, Luke McAuliffe is as good a wide receiver as there is in the area. Isan Alozi is a terrific running back and a great, great line uh, anchored by uh, Matt Tomaszewski. They couldn't pull the Miami Dolphins to score 70? I think they tried <laughs> to call off the dogs a little bit in the second half. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a look. As actually, there's a game Thursday night. Uh, Gilliland playing ball to spot at 5 o'clock. Any reason why that's a Thursday? Not quite sure uh, why that one moved to Thursday yeah. night, but yeah. uh, it happens from time to yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the uh, power rankings for this week. Uh, CBA, Shen, and Shaker, and Balsam Spa. Colony basically all the say the stay the same, and uh, Saratoga Springs got some votes. Yeah, nothing really changed this week. The top 
three seem very set at this moment, and uh, and Boston Spa seems entrenched at that number four spot. It's just that Boston Spa has been very, very uneven. Their two wins, they've allowed 14 points. Their two losses, they've allowed 120. Wow. Uh, but they have a powerful, powerful offense. And then Colony, uh, they get CBA this week, so that's their first real test against one of the top teams. Let's take a look at uh, Class A and a big matchup Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock as Niskuna travels to Queensbury. Yeah, Queensbury is always a difficult team uh, for anyone to play. Just the double-wing offense, they run the ball. They ran the ball for nearly 600 yards uh, against Mahanison uh, last week. Uh, so Niskuna has to respect a team that can do that. It's an interesting offense. You don't see it pretty much anywhere else, especially in large school uh, Section 2 football. Uh, but this is kind of also the last major hurdle for this Niskayuna team heading into the uh, into the postseason. They win this game. They should pretty much be able to to cruise through uh, through the next few weeks and get ready for uh, for a semifinal matchup as the Grasso Division champions. Yeah, take a look at the uh, power rankings this week. Uh, Niskayuna and Burnt Hills Boss Lake remain 1-2. Able Park and Columbia moved up into a tie for third. And then uh, Bethlehem is fifth with Queensbury getting votes. Yeah, this one really sets up very simply. Niskayuna is the best team. Burn Hills, Boston Lake played them close. They are right now the second best team. And there's about seven other teams that are in a giant mishmash uh, at this moment. You could put South Glens Falls in that list. You could put, uh, you could, you know, Bethlehem looked very, very good for the first several weeks, struggled last week against Averill Park. Averill Park had a good comeback win against Bethlehem after getting taken apart by Niskayuna. Queensbury is always there. Columbia scored a lot of points. They've looked very, very good. Uh, but they're a team that still has to face some of the best teams out there. Class B, two matchups we're looking at on Friday night. Let's start with uh, Shalmont going to Ravina, Quayman, Selkirk. Yeah, two undefeated teams, two of the three undefeated teams left in this class. Shalmont has looked very, very good. Had a good win, 37-0 on TV last week against Lansingburg. Uh, got a lot of different playmakers who so they can get involved in a very, very good defense. And Ravina has been exactly as they've wanted to be for the first four weeks of the season. No one has really touched them in Section 2. They had a uh, they had a good win week one that we've talked about uh, against James O'Neill out of, out of Section 9, to, or Section 1, uh, to start the season. But this is a team that's looked really, really good. Uh, this is a game for Shalmont that they can really prove they belong back at the top uh, of this uh, of this classification, which is somewhere they were for uh, for about a decade, and they've slipped off the last couple of years. And the other matchup in Class B on Friday, we're looking at Scotia-Glenville going to Gloversville. Yeah, this one is... Uh, there's a bunch of teams behind Ravina, Glens Falls, and probably Shalmont that are fighting for the remaining playoff positions, and these are two of them. They've had up-and-down starts to the season. Uh, Gloversville had a real real good performance last week at Hudson Falls. Scotia Glenville's played some tough games so far, but they've seemed to found a rhythm recently. Uh, two teams were uh, really... Uh, Positioning for October is what this is. Yep. The uh, power rankings this week, Verena, Quayman, Selkirk, and Glens Falls remain 1-2. Uh, Shalmont moved up to 3. Mechanicville who's, Valley is 4. Lansenburg, 5. Also receiving votes, that matchup, Scotia, Glenville, and Gloversville. Yeah, it is uh, after those top three teams, it is, like Class A, just a big old mess. Class C, we're looking at Friday night uh, at 7 o'clock, Fonda Fultonville hosting Hoosick Falls Tamarack. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked a few times that Schuylerville, Fonda, and Hoosick Falls Tamarack appear to be the three teams that are the class of Class C. Uh, and this one is a big one. These two teams have a long history of, of really entertaining games. This one should be... Uh, should be that as well. Hoosick Falls Tamarack has dominated his competition so far, but of the three top teams, they're the one who hasn't played either of the other two yet. Uh, Fauna Fultonville and Schuylerville played each other back in week zero. So real test, uh, and we'll, we'll really start to see again how those top three in, in Class C shake out. 
Skylerville remains at the top of the power rankings of the Daily Gazette. Found at Fultonville and then Hoosick Falls Tamarack flip-flopped. Uh, Fulton Found is now two. Hoosick Falls Tamarack three. Granville, Whitehall four. Johnstown five. And uh, nobody receiving votes. Yeah, nobody receiving votes. But again, there's a, there's a top three and there's an everybody else. Uh, Granville, Whitehall, Johnstown. Uh, Cobleskill, Richmondville could be in that conversation by the time the year is over. Uh, Taconic Hills has had some good performances. Uh, Waterloo Heatley as well. Uh, but again, this is a situation where the top three teams seem to be just leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. Looking at uh, Class D, a matchup Friday night was uh, Greenwich at Stillwater. Yeah, another classic uh, small school matchup that we get. Uh, not a great schedule in Class D this week. Uh, the top three have been really good, and pretty much everyone beyond that has been uneven in the top three, as we'll get to a minute, or Warrensburg, Stillwater, and Canajahari, Fort Plain. This is Greenwich has kind of looked like they're the fourth best team, uh, and they kind of need a performance this week. Uh, that can maybe cement them. It's, it gets them in, to a point where they're in a more solidified playoff position because if not, it just becomes the wild, wild west between about four teams that are going to be fighting for one playoff spot. There are no changes in the top four in the Class D power rankings. Warrensburg Lake, George Bolton, one. Stillwater, two. Canajahari, four. Playing three. And Greenwich, four. Chatham uh, moves into the five slot with Cambridge-Salem receiving votes. Yeah, uh, Chatham's played uh, well. Cambridge-Salem has had a tough schedule. They've struggled uh, much more than you'd expect a Cambridge team in, in recent years. But uh, as we mentioned, there's there's really four teams fighting for one playoff spot, as it appears it might be, which is Greenwich, Chatham, Cambridge, Salem, and I'd throw Voorheesville in that conversation as well. We'll, we'll talk a little college football here. Just, uh, Union went to 4-0 last Saturday. Now they begin Liberty League play. They actually gave up a touchdown on defense. I mean, how shattered were they giving up a touchdown on well, defense? Well, considering they got right back up and absolutely dominated the rest of the game, I'd say they weren't uh, too disappointed by They knew they were going to give up yeah. a touchdown at some point. And by the way, uh, with a uh, defensive touchdown later in the game, Union's defense has still outscored the Union's opposing offenses uh, this season. Uh, two touchdowns, two safety. So it's eighteen to fourteen Union against its opposed against Union opponents. This team's looked phenom- phenomenal through non-conference. It wasn't the toughest non-conference schedule, uh, but it's Division three. You can only schedule who's on your who's on your calendar. Yeah. St. Lawrence this week, uh, another home game th- uh, for them at Frank Bailey Field. This is a team that looks really, really good. But the, the prove it games start now. Yeah, now the other team you covered, and their starting uh, conference play is. Uh, U Albany, they'll host Villanova, our friends down in Philadelphia. Yeah, the, uh, U Albany finally home after a month and about thirteen thousand <laughs> miles of travel. Uh, then they get two more road games after this. So uh, this team is not spending a lot of time in the Capital Region, uh, especially in the first two months of the season. U Albany has played. Uh, I think you can say two and two is about what you would expect uh, for a team that had two FBS games. The problem is both of them were winnable uh, in terms of how they played out there. They really probably felt like they should have come away from Marshall with a win, and Hawaii they could have. Uh, but there's a lot of positive points for this team, especially on defense. This is a defense that got shredded regularly last year. They've looked really, really good this year. Uh, in four games, they've got 16 sacks. Last year in 11 games, they had 15 sacks. Uh, Anton Junkaj, uh, one of their defensive ends, seven sacks. He leads all of FCS right now. Of course, they had a tough game last Saturday at in Baltimore against Morgan State. The weather, uh, tropical storm, Ophelia dropping tons of rain down there. Just a mess, and they came out with a double overtime win. How big was that? That was uh, – it was big to win the game. It was bigger to not lose the game because if they had lost that one, it was going to look really ugly. They were up 10-7, to fumbled uh, with a chance to run out the clock with about a minute left. Uh, about 10 seconds later, a uh, – 
a, a long pass on a, on, on a free play when you Albany jumped off sides, got Morgan State within the one. You uh, Albany defended two tush push quarterback sneaks. <laughs> Morgan State puts 12 men on the field coming out of a timeout. You Albany for- ends up forcing the game tying field goal, win in double overtime thanks to a couple of touchdowns from uh, the Glens Falls native uh, Griffin Woodell who made up for, for a couple of early mistakes. And you have a story online at dailygazette.com and in print can, talking about maybe the, uh, Coach Catuzzo is hoping that they finally turn the corner on these uh, close games. Yeah, they had won, uh, I believe it was one of their previous 15 games decided by a touchdown or less uh, heading into that one. So this was a big, big win. you got to win one to start a winning streak. Well, I would say, normally I would say I'll see you next week, but you're not going to be here next week. No. Tell people why. Uh, I am off on vacation next week. I'm getting married on Saturday in Saratoga Springs. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, congratulations and uh, good luck and many ha- happy happy life to you. And uh, you know, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks very much. All right, that's Adam Schindler. We'll be back up next. Kevin Beatty, longtime RPI athletic uh, sports information director and associate athletic director, joins me next. He's talking about a, a career change for him. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, auto racing fans. The Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is back. Here's how to play. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is run by the Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. For over 25 years, my next guest has been a stalwart in the athletic department at RPI, first as a sports information director, and most recently as associate athletic director. He's leaving that post on Monday, and on Tuesday he begins a a new job with Albany Law School as a fundraiser, uh, as a major gift officer, and uh, please welcome to the podcast, a man who's had to deal with me for so many years, Kevin Beatty. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Ken. I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, for the invite. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, congratulations on the uh, new job. How much are you looking forward to this? Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a real change in a lifestyle, to be honest with you. For uh, uh, the past 25-plus years, as you mentioned, I've been here at RPI. Before that, I worked with the Albany River Rats, and before that, I worked at uh, Price Chopper. And, and each of those stops, I'd had to work nights and weekends and holidays and this job will still have some some nights and some travel, but not to the same extent. So it really will be a different lifestyle. It's one that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I know I, I was disappointed that you didn't get the athletic director's job, but I'm happy for you because, you, like you said, I think you said in Mike's uh, story about you, it's, just, you're, it's going to be different, obviously, but it's going to be uh, probably less stress because you don't have to worry about reporters <laughs> like me calling you at all hours of the day and night to try to get some stuff. But uh, how much and how much of a different lifestyle is this going to be, and how much is it going to help you relax and be uh, you know be able to enjoy life? Well, it, it will be a different lifestyle, and uh, it was a couple of years ago where Ken, you called me on Christmas Eve, and we had a conversation because uh, our hockey team was was playing at uh, Vermont instead of at home. And, uh, you know, I don't expect to, to hear from you on Christmas Eve, maybe with a, a card, but, uh, yeah, phone calls like that, uh, while I certainly uh, appreciate the relationships I've built and 
pride myself on being a service provider, which is why I would welcome a, a phone call anytime of the year, uh, any holiday or night, nights or weekends. Um, but th- this will be a, a complete change, to be honest with you. It's something that uh, in my time, uh, at, at this time in my life, it works out really well. Uh, I have a son who's a junior in college. He's away. Uh, we have a daughter who is going away to college next year. And while my wife has been a, a saint for putting up with, with nights and weekends, uh, a lot of that was because she was occupied with the, the children while I was at work. Uh, now that they're going to be uh, out of the house, uh, to me, it's it's not fair for her to, uh, to have to sit around and, and wait for me to get home from work. Uh, we can actually do things. We can uh, reacquaint ourselves with some friends through the months of September through, through May and uh, maybe just do some things around the capital region that we typically wouldn't do. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm going to miss a lot of it. Um, mostly the people, but the beauty is I can still go to a game. I, I, it just means I can show up a little later than I normally would. And I can leave a lot earlier than I normally would, but uh, I'll certainly be following RPI athletics. And, and quite frankly, even those other schools that we typically play uh, union and Skidmore, those names are familiar to me and, and I'm still a sports fan. So it won't be foreign completely to see me at a game. Uh, it'll just be in a different capacity. I know, being over the past year, David Alexander left St. Rose, and unfortunately, we lost Ann King uh, just recently to cancer. Uh, let me ask you about Ann King. What was she like to deal with? Fantastic. Just to, uh, if there's a, a top five nicest people in the world on my uh, um, calendar, she, she's on it. Uh, just somebody who really wanted to help others. Um, you know, I sent a note to, to Tracy, her her husband, who actually is the commissioner of the league that RPI is in. So I work with him pretty closely and and just said, you know, she cared more about doing things for other people than she cared about doing anything for herself. Um, And it's absolutely the case. Um, You know, it it would be interesting because she'd have a full day of work and then you'd see her working a Sienna game or working uh, another event at the, at the Times Union Center. And uh, she just loved being around people, loved being able to help others uh, and she really was infectious in that way. She would rally the, the folks to to uh, to work at those events uh, because she knew it was good for the capital region to have a strong showing at uh, an NCAA championship, for instance. And she always did it with a smile on her face. One of the things that I sent to, to Tracy was her her laugh is something that I remember. It's infectious, and uh, she's sorely missed already. To be honest with you. Yeah. What got you interested in uh, being in sports uh, management, sport, you know, being a sports information director, being a PR guy? And I'll ask you about the River Rats in just a moment. But what got you interested in all that stuff? I, I was always interested in sports, of course, and I played a lot like many people do. Um, and then I, it got to the point where I felt like I wanted to be a, uh, a basketball play-by-play announcer and realized that wasn't exactly my uh, cup of tea but still wanted to be around uh, sports. Uh, then the communications aspect uh, just lent itself to that. So I, I feel like I'm a strong writer and, and have been for a long time. And that helped a great deal in, in trying to get a uh, position at the student newspaper at Oneonta many years ago. Uh, and it kind of carried over from there. Um, I ended up not only being the sports editor, but the editor in chief at the, 
uh, newspaper while as an undergrad. And that allowed me to, to see that I did have, at least in my mind, some managerial um, attributes, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it look, I wasn't going to play professionally. Uh, I wasn't going to be an announcer. But as folks know, there are a lot of aspects to uh, college athletics, pro athletics that are many are behind the scenes, but all very important to try to put the best product out there uh, and not just wins and losses, but just fan experience, people who are coming to support, um, just building the reputation of that program or that team or that um, organization. So uh, really in college, I came to realize that I had the organizational skills and if I could mend them, mesh them, excuse me, with uh, sports it was it was less of a job than uh, than it was an enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, you worked for the River Rats for four years, uh, including the uh, time they won the Calder Cup in 1995. Uh, of course, the coach at that time, uh, 1995, was Robert Petorek, was known yeah. as a not tough coach. I mean, a little gruff, but you know, what, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I actually when I was covering Hershey back in the day, I, he actually called me on a game day uh, for an interview, which I wasn't expecting him to call me on a game day, but. Uh, what was the what was it like with the River Rats? Uh, you know, at that time the HL was really still popular in the area. Yep. Yeah, they had Adirondack Red Wings up um, up in Glens Falls. Because I when I came up here, there were three hockey teams at the time. The the, the uh, Capital District Islanders played over at uh, RPI's uh, Houston Fieldhouse. They had the yep. International Hockey League team, the Albany Choppers, which folded midway through their first season in 1991, 1990, So, what was it like uh, being a part of the River Rats and you know, and enjoying a championship and uh, that, all that stuff? It, it was a great experience, um, and I don't use that word lightly. It was something that, at a time when I was in my early twenties, very impressionable. I learned an absolute ton from uh, the New Jersey Devils organization and, and how they ran things. Definitely from Robbie Fatorik uh, and then John Cuniff after him. He was the head coach uh, in the last couple of years I was there. Just it, it, in the year that we won the, the uh, Calder Cup, the theme of the team was Big We, Little Me. And that's really what I've been about. And to have that um, exhibited through a team that was as good as they were. The, the players on that team, I could list them off where you can, and, and you would recognize most of the names. A lot of them went to the NHL. Um, it was just, it was phenomenal. But they really would put their their egos aside, and uh, Robbie got a ton of credit for that. He didn't have an assistant coach at the time. He was the only coach for that team in that year that they won the Call the Cup. Now, uh, the Devils would send folks down or up, I should say, from New Jersey on a, a sporadic basis. But Robbie was the coach and and just had everybody pulling in the same direction. And for me, bigger picture wise, I just I soaked that all in. And that's always been my my motto uh, moving forward. So it, it aligned with exactly what uh, I had in mind going in. It uh, reinforced what I thought I believed at a young age and then the people were just phenomenal i'm still in contact with many of the people with whom i worked we were all in our mid-20s um had a great chance to to bond uh, because we're look, working long hours and then going out after games as uh some reporters sometimes do so you would know that um uh, <laughs> no, you, you know it, <laughs> some i said not all uh, and it's, it's it was just a matter of uh really growing a great deal 
personally and professionally soaking it all in and the long hours i mean it was something that i embraced i loved it and um allowed me to become again in in my mind managerial material down the road yeah well knowing how the new jersey devils were at the time when lou lamarillo was the general manager of the, of the devils you talk about doing it their way i'm assuming they were they said don't give out any information that you don't want out there and is that the case well it's funny you say that uh and i'm glad you mentioned it so on at the year we won the, the calder cup we had two goalies who were number one goalies Corey schwab and mike dunham and i would on game day put together game notes and i'd go down and talk to robbie after the morning skate to ask him who the started goalie would be so I could enhance the game notes and, and fill people in and he wouldn't tell me <laughs> uh, so that was absolutely the case with the Devils it was something that you know they tried to um, get every advantage they could I didn't take it personally by any means um, you know I'd, I'd have a good sense of who the starter was but I certainly wasn't going to share that until that first goalie came out on on the ice uh, but interestingly and, and as a contrast so Barry Trotz, who went on to have a great NHL coaching career, was the head coach of the Portland Pirates. And if if we were the top team, they were the second team. If they were the top team, we were the second team. It was just it was a really good rivalry, and they had some terrific players. But Barry Trotz, if you went into his office, he had the lines right up on the board. He had the starting goalie circled. He he said, "This is my team. If you can beat us, then good luck to you." But he had such confidence in who he had and, and um, his coaching ability that he was quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, in, then four years after four, after four years working with the River Rats, he decided to move over to RPI. Uh, what led to that decision? Well, um, there started to be a little bit of instability at the River Rats uh, from an ownership perspective. And at the time rpi was celebrating its 175th anniversary uh, yeah anniversary and i said well look they're likely to stick around for another 175 years so uh let me see what's going on over there and, and it was probably the right time for a change for me uh for professionally um this would broaden who i was within the communications athletic communications world i didn't know exactly what i was getting into but after a couple of of interviews, um, I was hired and, and kind of thrown into the fire and uh, learned as I went, uh, and I still am today, to be honest with you, but it was just a chance to, to be on a college campus, which was rejuvenating, having the stability, remaining close to home. I'm, I'm from the Capital Region. My wife is from the Capital Region, so we were not uh, we're not going to, to leave. Um, and it was a great, great school with... Um, hockey program that at that time had been winning 20 games and was at Lake Placid all the time. So I had those um, transferable skills, if you will, from a hockey perspective, uh, in particular with the media. And at that time, you probably remember, um, we would have three writers travel with us on games. Yeah. Um, geez, I, th I think it was um, Bob Suda from the record, Bob Weiner, Buzz Gray. I mean, we would carpool and um, and go to New Hampshire or go to these various uh, locations. So I had those relationships with the media. Um, it, it allowed me to make as smooth a transition as I could 
while staying in the capital region. Yeah. And obviously you're dealing with a lot of sports. You're dealing with division one, division three. How do you balance the importance, especially, you know, hockey was the, was the king at the time. Yeah. It was something that, um, I really had to, to learn. And I relied heavily on my colleagues here at RPI. Um, some of whom are still around, believe it or not, after 25 plus years. Um, but also those outside of RPI, uh, but who are in the business, whether it's um, athletic directors or athletic communicators. Uh, and my mindset coming in was we have 23 teams. Two of them are Division One. Actually, one at the time was Division One, but I can treat them all like Division One teams and try to do that. Uh, one of the, the tricks, if you will, was that if, if I had media members coming over for men's hockey – which they again they did uh, on a weekly basis, sometimes more than once a week. I could slide in there that we had this interesting tennis story, or we had this interesting field hockey story, or basketball, whatever the case was. So it allowed me to kind of use the Division One as a resource to slide in news about some of our other programs. And quite frankly, it was the case in 1998 when I started. It's the case in 2023. We're blessed to have tremendous students student athletes people at rpi it's really a blue collar community they have we have students who really work hard hold each other accountable and will hold you accountable as well so uh it's, it's an environment again that i think enhanced who i am and uh, obviously very appreciative for it tell me about the story about andrew franks the rpi football kicker about <laughs> practice kicks yeah so um in 2009, we constructed the uh, East Campus Athletic Village, and, and uh, with that, I'm fortunate to have an office that faces the, the football field. And Andrew, um, within his first year, probably closer to the end of his first year into his second year, third and fourth years, was as hard a worker as we had. And what that meant was he was out there kicking on it by himself in all types of weather. And I could sit here and, and watch him, which is a real privilege because he went on to play for the Miami Dolphins and just a super young man. Uh, but he was so good that he would kick it over the net and it would hit our windows. Um, and it was loud. I mean, it, more than a thunder strike when it's hitting the building. And now uh, pictures are falling off the ledge because of uh, the impact that he's making with a football to the point where uh, after his senior year, when his dad was here for graduation, he stopped in the office with a checkbook asking how much he owed because of the, the frames that were broken and the windows that got uh, damaged or dirty anyway. And Andrew was a, a guy who uh, was somebody we just inducted into the Hall of Fame. And for a kicker to have the impact he did on our program was phenomenal. I, I, I hope that I have, well, I hope that, person who succeeds me has uh the same problem because it it's a uh a welcome noise to have your windows hit by a a kicker who can put it over the net with such accuracy and force talk to me about the um the year that all the sports are canceled because of the COVID 19 pandemic how challenging was that year because you had no sports to uh publicize <laughs> it, it was a hard year, without a doubt. Um, I, I remember before the, you know, as the pandemic was kind of brewing, um, 
before it was it was known as a pandemic, we had a, a deans and directors leadership meeting, and the uh, the VP at the time said, "Look, this is this is something we're paying close attention to to the point where uh, if we have teams going on spring break, we have to evaluate that." Well, as it turned out, we did send our teams on spring break, but we had to call them back. And I worked very closely with the, the medical director, Les Lawrence, and was the one who called some of those teams and, and told them, you need to come back, your season is over, and everyone's going home. And it was very emotional, it was very difficult, and then it got even more difficult um, as the pandemic got more and more difficult. Um, you know, we, we had to shut down not just the spring season, that were on spring break, but our men's hockey team was was rolling pretty well, and and that didn't happen. Um, going into the summer, we we weren't sure what was ha- what was going on. It made it uh, pretty obvious, it being the pandemic, that the fall season was going to be very difficult, if if at all possible. As it turned out, it wasn't possible. Um, I think to our administration's credit, they uh, were clear about that. We were not taking any chances. We wanted to make sure health and safety was was paramount but there's a lot of angst that comes with that and a lot of questions especially for students and student athletes who come to a school uh to to participate in athletics it's a major reason students come to rpi and uh you know you have to work through those things it was not easy eventually we were able to get uh our spring sports on the fields in 2021 for abbreviated seasons and it took a ton of work by a lot of people um, myself included and it was a I, I remember being at baseball when we were able to finally play and it was pretty emotional for me to be honest with you because i knew all the meetings all the precautions um all that the anxiety uh, was worth it because you could see that these young men in this case uh, we also were able to play softball and, and track and field and some other sport, but just to see what they were able to overcome and then have some success was was phenomenal. Um, and it was so rewarding for them to be out there and um, just be with their teammates, uh, doing the things that they came to RPI to do, obviously get a great education, but also compete in athletics. Um, and I'm sure they had no idea with the amount of work that went into getting them out on the field, but it means nothing um, whether they did or not because they were able to be out there. And for me, as a sports fan, I was selfishly able to watch it and, and take it in. Yeah, I remember the day you sent the press release out about uh, you know, the press conference about announcing that you know RPI is not going to have fans to the uh, quarterfinal series against Harvard. And, and I know a lot of fans are upset. And then, of course, a couple of days later, Harvard pulls out. And then they're talking about bringing Colgate in as the yep. opponent. And then I think ECAC Hockey said, no, we're done. Because uh, yes. then after that, there was dead silence from the critics out there about that whole situation. I just uh, – yeah, it was a weird time. Just a weird, weird time. And uh, it's amazing. It's great everybody survived it. And as far as, you know, I know people were upset there weren't sports, but – I, I think everybody made the right decision. I, I happen to agree. Um, and again, it's as we've heard and, and know it's it's easy to Monday morning quarterback. But um, while it was very difficult to go through, it was the right decision, and it didn't make a lot of folks happy, of course. 
but I, I, I absolutely remember when we sent that press release out, we were skewered for not allowing fans. Now we were still going to play the games, yeah. but not allowing fans. And, um, yeah, the, the internet blew up that we were, uh, overcautious and naive and things like that. And, and you're right. It proved to be the right decision, of course, but to me, um, safety first. And that's especially the case when you're on a college campus. What are, what lasting memories do you have at RPI? Well, it's, well, obviously there's, there could be a lot. I, I won't take up all your, your entire day with them. I, uh, the, the people first and foremost, um, the, the coaches that I've had a chance to work with, those outside of athletics, um, the student athletes, for sure. Um, but yeah, there's some games that that I will never forget, and and thankfully, I know where the records are, so I can go back and look at the box scores. Uh, you know, whether it's one of the the story or one of the games I mentioned to Mike in the article that he was nice enough to write last week was the snowball. That was uh, that was astounding. That was something that um, I wouldn't have to um, wouldn't try to live through again. Uh, what I didn't mention to him was we had a men's hockey game later that night, yeah. and we were supposed to play Princeton at seven. They had to push it back to seven thirty because their bus couldn't get up Hoosick Street, which is the main thoroughfare up through Troy. Um, so we had to push it back. We had very few fans there, as you might imagine. Uh, that was a that was a big one. Uh, more recently, with regards to football, the, the game that we had over at Union, the Dutchman Shoes game, when uh, Trevor Bisson, our soccer player turned kicker, uh, won the game in a, in a downpour when we got an onside kick. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's part of the reason why Jeff Behrman left and went to John Carroll is because he, he couldn't quite get over that. Uh, uh, I, I know Jeff a little. I, I'm just kidding about I that. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> it, it was that was phenomenal. Uh, but seeing some of our teams have the success, whether it's golf or you know women's basketball played in the NCAA tournament, men's basketball made the Elite Eight. Um, it, it's things like that again as a sports fan that I remember uh, going through some old box scores, uh, having the chance to meet people like Adam Oates or, or Joey Juno or, or Matt Patricia, the more well-known alum, um, athletic alums. Mm-hmm. And understanding that, you know, they're just good people. Uh, they have a, a real passion for RPI. Uh, I have a graduate degree from RPI, not a, an undergraduate degree. But to me, um, you know, we both, we all had passion for RPI. And I saw it for them. I was more starstruck to meet them than, uh, than maybe a real quote unquote superstar. So uh, I, I, I uh, have a lot of things that I, I hope that I had accomplished. Uh, there are others that, I won't have the opportunity to, but I think whoever succeeds me and, and those moving forward will, will be in a good spot to try to do that if they desire. Well, this uh, college hockey season will mark 10 years since the infamous uh, post-game brawl at the Mayor's Conference <laughs> RPI and Game RPI 1. What do you remember about that night? That was uh, – that took every tool that we had in our toolkit um, – to, to try to overcome. At the time, I was uh, associate athletic director for communication and compliance. So the associate athletic director portion meant how are we going to deal with this uh, with regards to working with the league and handling suspensions and you know student athlete conduct and things like that. Um, 
the communication aspect was, uh, as you probably remember, Ken, I got a few phone calls from some media members trying to get answers on th- some things. Yes, I've got uh, one of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't count, but you probably led the league there, um, which was which was perfectly fine. Um, and then the compliance aspect. Again, you're getting into a situation where now um, what NCA rules do we need to pay attention to? ECAC rules do we need to, to pay attention to? RPI student conduct rules uh that was that could be a case study to be perfectly honest with you um in in trying to put together a sports management class in any of those areas um and oftentimes i think about that i'll bring it up on occasion when i'm talking to to young uh, uh management sport management students as uh, as a real case study it was something that again much like the snowball i don't expect to have to to live through again. Well, that was, like I said, a memorable night uh, and kind of strange. It ended up, you know, maybe sparking you into the national championship. Who knows? But uh, Kevin, it's been... I agree with you. I thought the same exact thing, to be honest with you. Because they lost their next game at, at uh, uh, St. Lawrence, but then won at Clarkson and they never lost again. Yeah, they had a, they had a phenomenal team and it, um, it was tough for me to follow, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, getting to know Rick Bennett a little bit more after that, I'm, I'm happy for him that they, they did win the championship and then all the other people that I know and like over at Union. It was a great experience for them. And your boss, and, and your boss at the time, Jim Dalton, had a hand in the national championship trophy to Rick down in Philadelphia. That, that's correct. That's true. And, and uh, the, the one saving grace is that RPI still has two national championships and Union does not. <laughs> Well, Kevin, we'll end on that note. I I appreciate all you've done, and uh, I know I've been a part of pain sometimes, but uh, you've always uh, had a smile on your face and uh, make sure that uh, whatever I had the information I needed, you got me, and uh, I'm going to miss that. And uh, good luck in your new job. I appreciate it, Ken. Like I said, the, the folks in athletic communications are our service providers, and, uh, and without the media, we wouldn't be able to do that. So, so thank you. It, it, uh, for what you've been doing, what you continue to do, and, and what the other folks in the media do. Yeah. Thanks again, Kevin. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, that's Kevin Beatty. We're back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick em Football and Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. Meet Andrew Waite. He's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story. Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed. Read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Mark Kestisher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and college football on ESPN Radio. I grew up in Gilderland. I'm a proud member of the 518, and I go back over 30 years with Ken Schott. And when I'm not listening to his Schottsky Radio, I'm listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Here's Ken. Back to wrap up the podcast. I want to wish my mom a happy birthday. She turns 83 on Thursday, and she's still going strong. Love you, Mom. 
The week three winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest was Gary DeLugas of Amsterdam with a 13-3 record. Gary wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Gary. The VIP winner was Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC with a 13-3 record. I was 11-5 to improve to 28-20, and my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder was also 11-5. He is 29-19. I'll announce the U Pickle Football Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the U Pick'em Football banner. And you can look for my picks at dailygazette.com. The Week 30 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest was Scott Furnow of Scotia with 45 points. Scott wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Scott. The VIP winner was Nick Playtel of Grand Premier Tires with 30 points. I'll announce the Auto Racing Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Adam Schinder and Kevin Beatty for coming on the show. Next week on the podcast, I'll preview the Union College men's hockey season. I also want to mention that Garnet Chargers head coach Josh Halji will be a regular guest on the podcast with the Josh Halji Report. We'll talk about the team and we'll take your questions. If you have any questions for Coach Halji, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. And that's where you can email me if you have any questions or comments about the podcast. You can follow me on X, formerly Twitter, and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.